You're listening to Faith at Work, brought to you by airaccountant.io. Outsourced controller and bookkeeping services. Now to our host, Carl Grant. Welcome to Faith at Work. I'm Carl Grant here with Tom Peters, founder and CEO of RumbleUp, a peer-to-peer texting platform. Thanks for joining us, Tom. Great to be with you, Carl. So, Tom, tell us how you got RumbleUp started and what led up to this point. Sure. So, I've always had an interest in politics. And um, after working in politics for many years, I just became very frustrated with the tools that were available off the shelf uh, for volunteers and activists to use. And uh, particularly on the peer-to-peer texting front, it's something that uh, political campaigns on the uh, center-left side have been using since about 2015. And it's basically a compliant way to text folks who haven't opted in to receive your messages. So Bernie Sanders used this very effectively in organizing for the Iowa caucuses. And there wasn't really anything like it on the center-right side of the aisle. And so we decided just to jump into the breach. And uh, we launched Rumble Up at the beginning of the 2018 political cycle. And by the end, we had uh, worked with over 200 clients, including 13 state parties, um, advocacy groups. And now that the elections of 2018 are over and we're sort of in this off-year period, we've diversified and we're working with a lot of nonprofits, um, trade associations, and advocacy groups. Um, And the reason for all of this is just because people open their text messages. 98% of text messages are read. And if you work with a client to make sure that you're texting with the right audience, uh, a group of people that are highly likely to respond to your message, you've just found to be the most effective way and uh, easy way to get people to take action. And what's the future of Rumble Up? Is it always going to be in politics and advocacy? We'd like to see it diversify even further. you know, we created peer-to-peer texting because political campaigns were finding it harder and harder to connect with people through traditional channels. You know, email is super inundated now. Uh, people don't really pick up the phone as much as they used to. They prefer to text. And uh, political campaigns are always very motivated to figure out solutions because they've got a hard sell date. You know, they got to get as many people to the polls to vote for their guy or gal on election day. So they're extremely focused. And uh, the fact of the matter is that um, that's true of companies as well, but year round. So we're looking at ways that we can use our tool outside of politics for a huge range of verticals, um, a lot in the service industry, you know, uh, healthcare industry, uh, and then just everyone's working on raising money and, you know, connecting with people and doing that personally through scalable text is a great solution. So we're excited about the future there. So Tom, I know you come from a Catholic background. Is there a point at which that you that, that the faith that you practice became real to you? And if so, when was that? I certainly say that I, I grew more deeply into my faith as I grew up. I actually, after I finished my undergraduate degree, I did two degrees in theology uh, post-college. And that's just because I, I was in love with scriptures. So when my degrees is in scriptural studies. And then I was also really moved by the way that the Bible can impact and should impact our daily lives. And so my second theology degree is in ethics. But it really became real for me, I'd say, at a much deeper level after I had a very serious uh, diving accident five years ago. Uh, It was shortly after my wife and I were married. Um, I was at a friend's house and a complete fluke accident. I uh, dove off of a dock and I don't even remember what happened, uh, but all I remember is, you know, two days later, I woke up in the Baltimore Shock Trauma Unit, 
having apparently uh, drowned, um, de definitely a drowned, well, nothing was apparent about it. And I had uh, sustained a spinal cord injury, which uh, as a result of which I'm still in a wheelchair. And it was in the aftermath of that trauma that I really had to cling to my faith in Jesus as the ultimate reason for my life. And um, frankly, the ultimate reason I think why I'm still here was that there was some unfinished work for me to do. And uh, it's just been an extraordinary, extraordinary and miraculous series of events. And it's, you know, frankly, one of the only reasons that I founded this company was it the, the uh, aftermath of, of what happened then. Well, I've uh, had the opportunity to spend some time with you. And I have to say you are an inspiration to me from the moment you rolled into my office on that wheelchair and to, to you know, it's the only time I would ever know that you had any type of disability other than that uh, you carry on as if you had none. And so it blows me away to watch you go about doing your work and the amount of energy that you display in it. And, and you know, I'd like to think I could be as, <sighs> wow, as, as uh, resilient as you uh, in that circumstance. I don't know that I could be, but um, you affect people. When, when they see you like that, Tom. And, and I, I just want to let you know that it's, it's uh, quite an inspiration. So that being, that being said, so you, you have this strong faith and it's intensified since this accident. And I, I don't even know how long ago that accident was. Perhaps you can tell the audience, how do you take that faith with you to work every day and how do you integrate the two? That's a wonderful question. And uh, it's a daily challenge, uh, but I, I take that back. It's not a challenge. It's a wonderful daily opportunity um, you know, I'd say a pivotal point in my recovery was, you know, in the first sort of, you know, um, this is five years ago, um, in the first few months, uh, you're just so focused on what you've lost, you know, the ability to move yourself around, to be autonomous, uh, you have to rely on people, um, everything is, is infinitely, it feels like more difficult. But one of the, the turning point was when I started to realize what I still had, you know, I still had my mind, you know, thank, thank the Lord for that. Um, I still had my, my loving wife, my family, my friends, my faith. And it was that, that foundation, that bedrock that allowed me to rebuild my life with, with those pieces. And so when I go into the workplace, you know, first of all, even the fact that I have my life and I have this company that's, that's doing well right now is a gift. And so I really lost, I, I discarded a lot of my entitlement that I just kind of felt like, oh, well, of course, you know, I earned this. I worked hard. I should, I should get all these nice things. Um, but that's absolutely not the case. And one of the things that founders realize, especially looking backwards, is how timing and circumstances are really never within your control. And so, you know, even if I had tried to found this exact company a couple of years earlier, um, the political world wouldn't have been ready. And if I had found it a couple of years later, the political world would have already like gone on to the next thing. So those are things that are always out of your control. And you just have to be grateful when those chips fall in your favor. And I think that's God's providence when it does. I'd also say that, you know, one of the critical ways that my faith affects my decision-making is it really helps me stand on the right side of the, the line when it comes to making good choices or bad choices. And so many times when I've been tempted to make a bad choice, I'll think back about, you know, what Christ has taught us in the scriptures about how we're supposed to behave. And I'll make what I hope is the right choice guided by his influence. And that turns out to be also the right business choice. It also allows me to sleep at night with a clear conscience and there's just no amount of money that can outweigh that. And you mentioned to me that you had the opportunity early on after your accident to meet another, well, he's deceased now, but a, a, another celebrity, um, I 
calling you a celebrity. You're a celebrity now. Um, uh, quadriplegic. You're you're and you are a quadriplegic, correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about how meeting um, Charles Krautheimer affected you and and some of the wisdom that he imparted to you? Sure. It was a really extraordinary opportunity. Um, I had. I didn't, um, well, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit of the, the backstory. I met Charles Krauthammer uh, when I was in the Fox News studio many years before my injury. So I was able-bodied and he was uh, in a wheelchair from his uh, actually diving accident with the exact same injury. Wow. Um, and uh, it was a very uh, memorable evening. It was a, one of these big snowstorms in DC. So the whole studio was pretty much dark and shut down. And I was the last segment and he was the segment before me. So we were alone uh, for a brief few minutes. And uh, I remember having seen him on TV and I had no idea he was in a wheelchair. And he was very, very pri- private about uh, his his accident. And he wanted people just to focus on his words and his thoughts. And that's definitely what people have taken from his legacy. Uh, but I just remember uh, seeing just like what, what quiet dignity and how he had just addressed me as anyone else would and expected me to treat him in the same way. And um, it was a couple years later after I'd had my accident and was kind of emerging from that, that whole fog when I remembered him and I realized, well, I mean, he's, he's, he did this. You know, he, he proved that you can continue to have a career and a future and an influence even in a wheelchair. And so I reached out to one of his aides um, and uh, they set up a meeting. And I expected to go into the meeting and talk about, you know, sort of our political beliefs and, you know, you know, work and what's happening and in, in the, you know, what, what are people fighting about on Capitol Hill this week? And, but he wanted to talk about what life in a wheelchair is going to be like for me. And he was incredibly real. And I know people say that, but it's, it's extremely real when someone who has been through what you are still terrified of a life in a wheelchair and has done that for 30 plus years and tells you that's going to be all right. But it, he said that, um, I'd say of the many things that he told me, the one thing he said is that only love gets you through an accident like this. And that's absolutely true. It's um, the love of God, the love of your family. That's what keeps you going. And um, I, uh, I try to make a point of praying for folks who have had a really serious accident and don't have that in their lives because they need Jesus and they need believers around them to hold them up uh, when through the dark times. Uh, I also got to tell him that my goal in life is to be the second most accomplished quadriplegic in history. <laughs> he's got a clear, he's got a clear right to first. That's great. So uh, speaking of love, you are truly blessed. I had the opportunity to meet your wife yesterday. I wanted to meet the woman who stood by you through all of this, because I know it happened right after you got married. And so I knew that she was a, a kind soul and, uh, and she was. So look, let me ask you a question. I'd like to ask our guests at, at the end of the broadcast here. And, and that is, do you think God has a sense of humor? And if so, have you experienced it? Uh, I I absolutely believe that God has a sense of humor. I think we can know that. Um, this is my theological training speaking, but you know, every good and beautiful thing in us is ultimately a reflection of, of God because Genesis tells us that we're created in his image. And so, you know, humor is something obviously that we use to uplift one another. As far as like how I've uh, experienced God's humor in my life, um, I think anyone who knows me knows that um, probably the one thing that I needed was a little bit of a taking down. Uh, I was a very, um, hopefully not prideful person before my accident, but I definitely was very sure of myself. And uh, God rocked me back on my heels in a big way. 
And I think through that humbled me, but also opened up uh, opportunities that I never would have had. And so I'm looking forward at, you know, hopefully at the end of my life, being able to go back to uh, my Lord and Savior and say, like, you got me. You knew what my weak spot was. Um, and uh, I totally deserve that. And I'm, I'm, I hope that I, uh, I hope that I, uh, I wasn't the butt of your joke. So, um, yeah, I just even, even asking the question makes me smile. So, yeah, he does. Well, you kind of make me laugh, Tom, because, because I dread heading across town for a business meeting. And I can only imagine how hard it is for you to get across town for a business meeting, yet you insist on coming. And, uh, I, you know, I, my hat's off to you because, because I know that you have to go through probably three times the effort that I have to go through to get from one point to another. So I, uh, you crack me up when you, when you do that. <laughs> so so we'll, end, we'll, we'll end on that light note. And um, I do want to encourage our, uh, subscribe, our listeners to subscribe to our podcast at Faith at Sign Work. And uh, you can find us on any of the major podcasting platforms and also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash faith at AT work radio. And we hope you'll join us. Thank you. Yes, I gotta have faith. You have been listening to Faith at Work with Carl Grant, brought to you by airaccountant.io.